All right, well, let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12, as we continue our series in the book of Acts. We've been journeying through Acts since last August, uh, two Augusts ago, and uh, God has been moving. We've taken a few breaks, uh, summer and Easter and, you know, Christmas and different things, but we've been plowing, and um, I was hoping to wrap up Acts chapter 12 but this will tell you a little bit how this morning went. I want to get to verse 25. That's the end of Acts 12. I only got to verse 17. And so uh, such is life. Um, God does this every now and then. He wakes me up real early on Sunday mornings and just I'm restless for whatever reason. So I've been up since about 3.30 and uh, ready to roll. And usually that's a good thing. Thankfully, I have a Peloton and uh, this morning, I rode through South Africa for 30 minutes, and so got a little bit of energy out. Um, but I also start to go into my head, and I start studying more, and so I have a lot to say about this text. God, man, really started to speak to me in a number of different ways, and uh, I wish I could be uncut and unfiltered like I normally am at the city location but if you look behind you, I've had to record because we didn't get the recording done in the first. So I apologize. This will be PG-13, not rated R. All right, so uh, let's consider Acts chapter 12, verse 6 through 17. Last week, we looked at the weight that is never a waste. This week, we're going to look at this. The weight that becomes wonder. The weight that becomes wonder. One of these days, I'm going to try and write a book or so. I think I'm pretty good at chapter titles. I'd, I'd, I'd read this chapter. The weight that becomes wonder. Has any weight in your life turned into wonder? Can I tell you about a day in my life? It was May 22nd, 2004. It was my wedding day. <laughs> Me and my honey bun, Annabeth, we've been married 17 or 18 years. I think it's 18. And uh, don't tell her that. Ah, it's recorded. Oh, man, I'm, I'm already in trouble. Um, so... We, we dated on and off for like seven, eight years, guys, seven, eight years, and we had a lot of breakups. I mean, we broke up 6,455 times. It was quite the wait to get to a point where we finally, you know, got married. And I'll never forget my dad, uh, he's a pastor of a very large church in South Carolina and has a TV ministry, was Dr. Billy Graham's pastor for 20 years. And um, in that church, when I got married to my wife, my wife's family's from that church, generations and generations. It's like a church of like 170 years of something like that. And uh, my um, father-in-law was the chairman of deacons. And so some of you are like, what is that? We probably won't have one of those here. Uh, but it's kind of like the leader of those who aren't staff of the church. And so that's when me and my wife got married. Everyone and their mother showed up to our wedding, even those that we didn't necessarily invite. Uh, I'll never forget, I was just a new pastor at the time, 
and I was getting preaching reps, and there was this country church in Union, South Carolina. I'm telling you, if you look it up on Google Maps, you can't find it. That's how small it is. And they gave me some reps. I led a couple revivals and got to preach for this church. They were so sweet, probably a church of only about 10, 15 people. I mean, but it was some of my favorite preaching I ever did, and they just loved me and, and loved me and Annabeth. They showed up at our wedding in their church van, all right, in their church van. I mean, they showed up. During the reception time, they come up to me and I, Rob, Rob, where's your daddy? We've been wanting to meet your daddy. I'm like, is this my wedding? And this was the kickoff to ministry with Annabeth and me. And, uh, but I'll never forget the weight turning into wonder. The, the sanctuary was huge and there's doors, both these aisles. And I'm serious, there's about 1,500 seats in this sanctuary and it was full. That was our wedding. And I'm standing right here. And those back doors open up. And man, I am an ugly crier. <laughs> it was like, you know, I mean, it, it was just wonder. This beautiful girlfriend of mine, fiance. Um, I've also had moments of wonder, like, you know, when my four kids were born. I, I'll never forget those moments and seeing them come into this world. It's quite a weight. You know, that pregnancy really wore me out. I put on weight. It was stressful. I mean, all the things that I had to go through. And, and finally, these little ankle biters show up. And, and I start to finally learn and truly understand the love of the Heavenly Father. For me, His child, even though my love for my kids doesn't come anywhere close to God's love for His kids. Um, and then there have been certain moments leading Vintage Church, not just here in Pittsburgh over the last four years. Our church has really been going um, for about two years, but uh, we've been here four years and gone through quite a lot with COVID, ups and downs. And before that, for about 12 years in the city of New Orleans, I pastored Vintage Church in New Orleans and started that out of my living room in 2008. And um, there were just some moments. There have been some moments here of just wonder. You know, yeah, some of them have been moments like what we experienced this past week with Serve Week and uh, some, yes, with packed rooms and exciting worship, but also the, the moments like we had last week with Kelly, baptism, understanding the work of God in, in our lives. We're, we're going to look at uh, the waiting time of the church. If you remember last week, we considered how James has just been killed by King Herod, and, and now we've got Peter in jail. And as Peter is in jail awaiting to be killed, it says that the church went into earnest prayer. The word in the Greek is ektonos deomai. Ektonos deomai. And so they're praying and they're asking for God to show mercy and to set Peter free. Well, I wonder if he's going to answer that prayer. He probably does. Notice my text, my title. The weight that becomes wonder. And I pray, guys, that as we look at this text and as we consider these verses of Scripture, I pray that we would turn our how long with a question mark. You ever been like that with God? Come on, Lord. 
How long? Come on. Come on, Lord, how long? When are you going to do this for me? How long? I pray, especially after last week's text and this week's, I pray that you would turn your how long, O Lord, into a longing for how long. Because what did we learn last week? There is no such thing when God gives you a waiting season. There's no such thing as a wasteful waiting season. And if you're honest with yourself, those seasons where you're here and God's called you there, the not there yet seasons of life have been hard, but they've been some of the richest moments that you've ever had with Jesus, where Jesus has taught you to love him, to pursue him, to be desperate for him. They've probably been the most growing seasons in your life. And so let's have a longing for how long. And let's believe in Jesus' name that when God places you in a season of waiting, it's never a waste, it's a season of wonder. So Acts chapter 12, verse 6, says this. Now when Herod was about to bring him, who's him? Peter. Was about to bring him out on that very night. <laughs> I, I stop a lot, so just get ready. Um, like, has God ever done this to you? Like, I'm sitting here and I'm reading the text early this morning, I'm like, Okay, so King Herod's on a rampage. He's been waiting for Passover to kill Peter. Like, he's been waiting for it to go by. And it says that on the very night that King Herod is going to go and grab Peter and kill him, this is when God shows up. I mean, this might just be me, but I'm sitting here like, really, God? You got to put Peter through all that? Like, if you were going to set him free, why didn't you do it the moment he got in jail? Y'all with me? Like, why did you have to wait all the way to the very last second? I mean, we don't know if, like, Peter can see Herod coming or not. But, like, the very night that Passover's over and now King Herod can... But doesn't God do that sometimes? Because I promise you, he's been doing something in Peter. He's been doing something... What is the church doing right now? Earnest prayer. So... If perhaps God brings a miracle real early on, the church doesn't pray. And God wanted the church to pray. So that's just a little side note. What was Peter doing on this night? Awaiting execution. It says Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Remember, we learned this last week that there's four, basically, guards. There's two guarding the jail cell, and there's two chained to Peter. All right, so can we just answer this question or ask this question? How do you sleep chained to guards? <laughs> Now, I'm going to let you, this might be a little weird for you, but I'm going to let you into me and Annabeth's life. We're not cuddlers. Um, I need space when I sleep at night. Woman, don't get near me. I am always hot. I am always sweating. I don't need some other corpse laying next to me while I try and sleep, okay? 
Plus, the older I get, the lighter I sleep. And so one move and I'm done. I'll wake up and, you know, I'm taking Ambien and all that kind of stuff now just to try and sleep normal hours. And so, um, look, here's Peter chained to two guards. But we know this about Peter. Peter had a sleeping problem. He just did. Remember the transfiguration? Okay, like really, really cool moment. Peter. <laughs> you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? <laughs> like the moment Jesus really needed Peter. <laughs> I mean, Peter's done, right? So Peter has a knack for sleeping. But I think although Peter can sleep anywhere, I think this is a sleep of confidence. This is a sleep that Jesus has promised to you and me. It's called peace. Now, Peter did have a little insight. Um, go and look if you want to just write this down and maybe go look at this on your own study. But in John chapter 21, verse 18, when you go back and you consider how long this was, this was literally just like a few months before this moment. Just a few months. And Jesus is talking to Peter, and he tells Peter something about his life. He says, you ain't going to die until you're of old age. <laughs> so Peter's like, bring it, Herod. Bring it, guards. The man told me you ain't killing me right now. He promised that I would die of old age, right? Now, of course, there's mystery and not knowing what that is. Old age could be three months later. But I think Peter had some confidence, which goes to what like Oswald Chambers and Max Lucado has said it a lot. I've said it probably more than both, both of them, so I'm going to claim it as my quote. So when you put this on Instagram, you just say, Pastor Rob said this. Real peace is not found in the absence of problems. It's found in the presence of Jesus. Here's Peter on death row, chained to two guards. On the night that he knows Herod could come, and he's asleep. Hmm. I wonder if that's speaking to anybody right now. You see, Jesus does give us a peace that passes understanding. That guards and protects our hearts. Even in turmoil. Even in turmoil. And so here is this amazing trust of Peter. And we see in verse 7, check out as the story continues. We just sung a song led by Josiah and Phoebe. Behold him. It says, and behold, <laughs> I love this, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And it says, and a light shone in his cell. Now I'm going to show you, Peter sleeps hard. This dude doesn't wake up easy. All right, this isn't like someone walked into the jail cell and flip the light on. They're not used to that. How did they light rooms back then? Candles. 
All right, so if there's a large light in the room, it should wake Peter up. Peter, he's still out, okay? So we know that. We also see here in the text that the angel coming in, being right next to him, you know, doesn't wake him. Because what does the angel have to do? Look, it says he struck. <laughs> I don't know how that went. You know, like, I don't know what angels do to strike, you know, maybe gave it a left hook or whatever else, but he struck Peter. That's another reason why I don't like snuggling with Annabeth. She's violent at night. I've been smacked in the face a couple times, you know? She rolls over and I got a black eye, you know? Like, struck Peter on the side, woke him. You go and study the text, like, like Peter's groggy. So the angel's like, dude, come on. It's like trying to wake up Bolt right now, my oldest. I mean, he is a beast. He's like his mom. He's a grizzly bear. Me and the twins wake up early, and then I've got two. My oldest and my youngest, they're like grizzly bears like their mama. It's just hard to wake up in the morning. And so he's waking him up, saying what? Get up, Peter, quickly. And so it says, and the chains fell off his hands. Okay, so miraculous things are happening right now. It doesn't say the angel took the chains off. It just said that the chains fell off. All right, supernatural things are happening here. Things that man cannot do. The chains completely fall off. And then I love this, verse 8. It says, and the angel said to him, I just, this is funny, but, you know, Peter's naked, I guess. He got clothes on, right? The angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And so he did so. And I just love this. All right, y'all want to know one of the reasons why I married Annabeth? Our first ever date, I was on my second eighth grade and she was in ninth grade. I'll let you do the math. I go to pick her up in my dad's car. And uh, when I pick her up, she looks at what I'm wearing I'm going to tell you, I thought I was looking fly. I had a flat bill, Jordan hat, kind of sideways. Back then I had jean shorts. I had one of those black woven belts with the tuck. <laughs> I had on a Michael Jordan t-shirt. I had on my um, uh, Pump It Up Reeboks. And um, I had on you know, socks that went up about this high with stripes. She looks at me, she goes, we're going back to your house, you're wearing something else. And that was our first date. I married that girl. I'm serious, that's a real story. Hey, here, it's like Peter does his best and the angel does what? <laughs> I love it. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you. I don't like what you're wearing, or it's not enough, or whatever else. So there's another reminder about putting on clothes. But then he says something so important. He says, and follow me. All right. All right, listen to this. Okay. How many of y'all would say you can get dressed on your own? Anybody? Okay, none of y'all can? Raise your hand. Come on, this is participation, right? There's only two little ones that should say no, right? All right, hopefully you can dress yourself. So would you all agree that's a pretty ordinary thing? 
I love that the angel, this is good. Whew, I, got, I got chills just thinking about it. I love that the angel only asks Peter in this miracle to do the ordinary. And when Peter does the ordinary, God does the extraordinary. That could be a sermon on its own, I'm just telling you. God is not looking for you to do miracles. God is looking for you to be faithful. What Annabeth preaches to me all the time. Believe it or not, I've had some pretty discouraging moments the last few years. She goes, Rob, it ain't about you. God wants your availability, not your ability. He wants your availability, not your ability. Here, the angel says, Peter, just get dressed. All right, now I'm going to show you another thing. This came to me at about 4.20 a.m. I think I was somewhere in Johannesburg on my Peloton. Okay? Notice what happens here. The angel says, get dressed and follow me. But then verse 9, don't skip over this. It says that he went out and did what? Followed him. God needs and requires of you obedience. All right, can I just be real? Right? I mean, I wake up every day like you. I, I got up this morning. It was a little earlier than I wanted to. Didn't quite feel like getting my hair did. So I put on a hat. I wore this. Whatever you think of it, do whatever you need to. I had to wear boots because one of our staff members in the West was making fun of my shoe game, said I didn't have boots, and I'm insecure. So I wore boots today just to prove this little peon that I've got boots. And so I put on my clothes. Are you thankful I put on clothes today? Yes. Okay, so I put on clothes. Symbolically, you did too. And every day when you go to work, you do your part. But your part is not just putting on your clothes and being ready for the day. Your part is putting on your clothes, being ready for the day, and then following Jesus. Peter could have easily looked around, no chains, got my stuff, peace. I'm out. But what did he do? He listened to the angel because he knew there's no power in his plans. There's no way he can do this. Even getting to this point, being set free from the shackles was a work of God. And I want to experience more power of God. And so I'm going to cling to this angel and I'm going to immediately follow him. Isn't that good? And so it says, as it continues, he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real. I love Peter. I mean, guys, Peter's a moron. Like, he just is. Like, he's going to be my dude in heaven. He and I are going to roll. I don't understand people like John who wrote Revelation. That's just nerdville to me. Like, I don't, I don't know how to handle with someone that smart. But Peter, he and I are just like, duh, Jesus, we love Jesus. Duh. You know, I mean, that's, that's how I am. I got a doctorate of ministry, not a PhD for a reason. And here's Peter, and he's like, am I dreaming or is this real? Now, can we give him a break? What do we know about Peter? He's seen some crazy stuff. 
not only miracles that Jesus performed, like he was there when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So he's seen crazy stuff. But he also, remember what happened with the vision, Peter and Cornelius? And remember, Peter was put in a trance by the vision. So he was in this trance, like not knowing exactly what's going on because the power of God was so on him that he had lost all control. Man, I want moments like that. So here he is, he's like, okay, I was in a jail. I didn't like their sloppy joes. I was a little bit scared because I knew Passover was coming to an end. But now I'm walking. I don't have chains on me. It says there in the text, he doesn't know if this is real or not. And I love that. Because once again, it just speaks to the fact that this is not about Peter's ability to know or be or do. This is God leading Peter. Peter's not even fully connected in. He's just, as best he can, placing his faith in the one who's guiding him at this moment. And it says, but he thought he was seeing a vision. In verse 10, when they had passed... The first and second guard, they came to the iron gate in that powerful angels. So, do you think it's possible that angels kept the guards asleep? So, God's power is all around this. I mean, they didn't wake up. That could have caused problems, right? We, we know that, that things like this happen. What, what did we learn? Um, in Acts chapter 5, remember Peter and John, they're, they're in prison. I think it was Peter and John. And um, an angel shows up and sets them free. And remember, Peter could have dipped, but he heard that the guard was going to kill himself because he was responsible for keeping Peter in jail. And so Peter comes back and leads that dude to Jesus. Remember that? So Peter knows these kind of stories. And, and so God could have done something like that with the guards. At this point, though, the, the angel keeps the guards asleep. And then we see this first automatic gate opener. Sure, Peter's like, I'm sure this will make money one day. Nobody's touching the gate and it opens. I, I'm going to store this for later. This could be some good technology, right? Because it says right there, and they came to the iron gate leading into the city, and it opened for them of its own accord. Power of God. Don't miss these, these moments of provision. God's opening doors. Some of you are seeing closed doors. God can open the door. He can. He can do this. The wonder and waiting. And it says, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. Now, <laughs> Peter came to himself. He wakes up. Oh, snap. No angel. I'm outside the gates of the, the prison. And he starts to recognize some things. I wonder if he remembers, when you go back to Acts chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, it says, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, 
go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this capital L life. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. So as Peter's now waking up, do you think Peter is thinking, I've just been set free from jail for myself? He's getting giddy about a mission. And he knows that there's always been purpose in provision from God. And here, as he's set free, and now he finally realizes, look at what he says, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And then check this, when he realized this. So we're talking about waiting. We first talked about there's no such thing as a wasteful waiting season. Now we're talking about wonder. And in waiting season, there's the possibility of the amazing wonder and majesty and glory of our God. May I tell you, that's not the cap. That's not the end. It always, the waiting season, sometimes we have to recognize it's not a waste. Then we see the wonder of God. It always leads to a witness for Christ and his kingdom. I can alliterate for days. I'm just letting you know. The purpose of this miracle was for Peter to testify about Jesus, who is the Christ. And I love it. When he realized this, he wanted to tell his favorite people, the church. You know when I know we're going to start to see a real powerful movement at Vintage Church is when we all think of each other as our favorite people. Like we just we can't wait to see each other, hug each other, be there for each other. Peter, his first answer to this, his first answer, I'm going to go and find the people I love the most. And so he goes and check this out. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together. And what were they doing? Ectonos deomai. They were earnestly praying. They were probably praying pretty intensely right now because they knew Passover was coming to an end. They knew King Herod was about to strike against Peter. And so here is Peter coming up to this house. Now, by way of context, let me read a commentary because you need to know who all these people are. We hear House of Mary, Mother of John, whose other name was Mark. Listen to this. This verse introduces the reader to John Mark, who figures prominently in Paul's first missionary journey. As we go into Acts chapter 13, which sadly we won't be able to do next week, but the next week we will, um, we're going to start Paul's missionary journeys. And I can't wait. I love, it's my favorite part in Acts. Y'all think I've been fired up to this point? Just, I'm just warning you, bring lunch. Bring lunch. When we get into Paul's missionary journeys, I can't stop. I love it. And so um, John Mark, who's part of Paul's missionary journeys, we're going to hear about him all the time. Evidently, his mother Mary, this one commentary says, was a woman of prominence and means. Probably her house was a principal meeting place of the church. Some scholars would say potentially even where things like the upper room and other things took place. Okay? So this is Mary, 
the mother of John Mark. Because John Mark's father's not named, Mary may have been a widow. This same Mark, this is important for us to learn as we study the full counsel of God's word, is also the author of the gospel of Mark. All right? And so these are all things that are important. These are the people that we read about and learn from and how God designs all this. What was the church doing? Praying. There is wonder in the waiting. And here the church is praying. Now check this out. I'm, I'm telling you, this cracked me up at 4.45 this morning as I was getting off the Peloton. It says, And when Peter knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda, her name means Rose, okay? A servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Peter, <laughs> he walks in. Why would their doors be locked? Uh, Peter's in jail. They're kind of scared. The church is praying, but man, they're in the middle of persecution. And here... Rhoda comes. Recognizing Peter's voice in verse 14. <laughs> I love this. In her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in. <laughs> so Peter, Peter's not, he hadn't just come from a pens game. <laughs> Dude's just got out of jail, and he shouldn't be out of jail. And he's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Please let me in. Rhoda Rose comes. Oh, the very thing we've been ectonos deo my praying for. He's here. Ah! And just runs away. Peter's like, come on. Like, I'm still out here. You might have to pray again for me to get out of jail if you don't open the gate. Isn't this funny? You can find this in the text. And so it would have probably been better if Rose would have brought Peter because check out what happens here. It says that she ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, Rhoda, you're out of your mind. All right, I'm, I'm going to get real here. There are movements among the American evangelical world that speak about word of faith. That if you just think or believe or declare, thus it will be. We are a church that believes in placing all faith and trust in the Lord. But we are not a church that believes our words dictate God. God can edit whatever he wants. So let me ask you a question. Is Peter out of jail right now or not? He's out of jail. These people prayed earnestly. But one pastor said this about the text. There's a difference between praying continually and religiously and praying expectantly. So this busts the word of faith movement. 
Because these people who prayed didn't pray with perfect, audacious faith. Because even when God answered their prayers, they were like, you're a moron, Rhoda. There's no way God could have done this. I don't know about you, but that just encourages me. I'm not trying to tell you to not fully expectantly believe that God can do far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. But do you know what that also tells me? That tells me when I pray for something, and in my heart of hearts, I might put on a good religious show, but in my heart of hearts, I don't ever think that's going to happen. I don't ever think revival could come into the city of Pittsburgh. Do you know that God still moves even when our faith is as small as a mustard seed? Even when we have doubts, did he move through these people's prayer? Hey, so bring your imperfect faith. Don't you love the scripture? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This is what God does. This is not about you can and you will. You can't, but Jesus did. And because Jesus did, now you can and you will. We will never lead a moment here and a movement here where we are at the center dictating God. No, we are at his mercy and surrender to him, believing in God for him to do far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So here in the text, Rhoda, that crazy girl, she's got all these crazy dreams. There's no way that could happen. And they said to her, you're out of your mind, but she kept insisting that it was so. Aren't you thankful for Rhoda? She didn't stop. No, seriously, guys. Like, this is Peter. You're praying right now. Oh, God, set Peter free. He's here. Like, he's here. And then I love this. Check this out. And they kept saying, it is his angel. All right. Just in case y'all think the early church was a bunch of scholars. If it was an angel, would the angel be locked outside? <laughs> I mean, I don't know full angelology, but I kind of in scripture find that angels show up wherever they want to. It's like, poof, angel there. Like, it ain't nothing, right, for them to get through a gate. So just think about the logic, the foolishness of this. Now, but Peter says, or it says right here in the text, but Peter continued knocking. Aren't y'all thankful for Peter? All right, may that encourage us. Keep knocking. Some of y'all are a miracle of God, and you are one who's trying to get in to tell others about the miracle that has taken place in your life and they're not letting you in yet? Your neighbors aren't welcoming you yet? Keep knocking. There's wonder in waiting. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Rob, don't stop. Keep knocking. I just had a little moment for myself. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. It says, when they opened, they saw him. And they were, 
there's tons of different translations. Astonished? Amazed? How about this? Filled with wonder. Filled with wonder. I can't believe you did it, God. I can't believe this prayer that we've been praying has been answered, God. Um, one commentary says this, and I, I just think it's so, so powerful. It talks about Thomas Watson. He was a Puritan in the 1600s. And he said this about this text. The angel fetched Peter out of prison, but prayer fetched the angel. Prayer fetched the angel. Um, I don't know what the Lord's speaking to you about, but I know the Lord's telling me to keep trusting in a waiting season for wonder. Because it's possible. Look as we close in this text in verse 17. It says, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. Why? They're like, Peter's here! <laughs> They're having a praise party like no other. Behold him. Behold him. I'm telling you. I mean, they are lit right now. And Peter's like, shh. I don't want to go back to jail. But what does it say? It says he gets him around. Can you imagine the stories? He described to them how the Lord brought him out of prison. Hey, guys, y'all know I got this sleeping problem? I was out. And all of a sudden, I get zapped by an angel. And it kind of still hurts. But like I woke up, the room's bright. I got no chains. And he starts telling the stories. And I, I ain't going to lie, guys. I was a little mad at you. I've been out here 30 minutes last time I told Rhoda <laughs> that I was out here. I was scared to death. Can you just see the story? Can you see him gathering around? And I promise you, as he's sharing this, he starts to testify how great our God is. But then I love this. It says, and he said, tell these things to James. This is... James, the brother of Jesus. James, the disciple's dead. He's just been killed by Herod. James, the brother of Jesus, is now a prominent leader in the church. And so he says, I'm giving you the mission, church, to now go testify these things to James, the brother of Jesus, and others, so that this will spread to testify how great our God is. But then check out what he does. And then he departed and went to another place for another day. But there was also Peter's missionary journeys. We don't talk as much about those. But Peter's missionary journeys were him going from town to town, testifying how great our God is. So let's close in prayer. And let's 
enjoy just for a few moments before the Steelers destroy Tom Brady. We can be friends this week. Can't stand Tom Brady. So before we get to that moment, let's not skip over a moment of wonder together. We're going to sing one song, and we're going to take communion together. I'm going to ask for those who are leading communion to go ahead and make their way as well. And as we respond to the Lord, just with this one song, I want us to just wait upon the Lord just together, just for a few moments. So bow your heads, close your eyes. This morning I invited people to maybe enjoy the wonder of God for the first time. And do you know that we had two people raise their hands saying that they trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And so maybe that's you. You don't know Christ. He's here in this moment of waiting. And I want you to know that you can receive Him as your Lord and Savior right now. God's Word says everyone who declares my name confesses with their mouth Jesus Lord believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead God's word says you will be saved everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved so call on the name of the Lord right now if that's you right now calling upon the name of the Lord you speak to him just as you are you come just as you are would you simply just lift up your hand saying, today I trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Anybody here? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, Jesus. You're so good. You're so kind. Salvation is here. Lord Jesus, we just love you and we thank you and we worship you. For you are the God of wonder. And Lord, I pray that in whatever season we might be in right now, God, as we, in just a few moments, stand up to sing to you as we come and partake in these elements, God, as we celebrate that salvation is here today, God, I pray that you would continue to display the greatness of who you are. Thank you for this text. Thank you for this season. Thank you for wonder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.